our series, The Secrets of the Christian Life. And, and basically, we started this series, and we're trying to uncover kind of some hidden gems, some things in life that can really help us uh, to, be, to be successful and to become more successful. You know, here's when I, as I talk to hundreds of people throughout my pastoring career, what I realize is that most, I don't meet too many people that are totally satisfied with, with where they are in life. They're, they're totally satisfied with their marriage, with, with, their, with their parenting, with their career, with their Christian life. And, and so uh, this series is meant to kind of just help you and give you some tools. And basically, it's the secrets of the Christian life, these hidden gems that really allow us to grow and reach our full potential. And they're really not secrets at all. They're in, they're in the Bible, and, you know, most of the things that really allow us to go over the top in life, it's not like they're hidden from us, but we, sometimes we have to open our eyes. They're in plain sight, but we have to search them out. So this, this series is kind of like a journey, uh, really to, dis, to discover uh, things that will allow us to grow in our spiritual lives, to reach new levels, to overcome our past hurts and failures, and, and really define the freedom that is available to Jesus Christ. How many of you know that when your spiritual life gets to where God wants it to, as you keep growing, what you find is you find more freedom in your life. So last week we started out, and secret number one is this. It's that the Christian life is a journey that's supposed to be taken with other people. It's a relational journey. And, uh, you know, if we're honest this morning... Uh, I think that we would, we would have to admit, um, we, we would have to admit that, that really America, our culture, our society, our country, we're really not very relational. I mean, you may have 500 friends on Facebook, but how many of them do you really know? Come on now. You may be, uh, you know, chatting with hundreds or perhaps thousands of people on social media, you know, through through tweeting and, and, and through Instagram and things like that. But how, how well do you really know them? What I have found in life is that, on, especially on social media and things, we, we put the best slice of our life forward. I'll, I'll prove it. Um, on Facebook, some of my friends, they always post these gourmet meals they make. But they never post the ones that don't turn out well. Come on, we know they burn some every once in a while, right? Is there ever any burning food in your house? Yeah, you know, they, they, never, they never do that. Or, uh, you know, people post uh, pictures of happy, happy family moments, vacations, celebrations, and fun events where everyone is happy and smiling. Now, real life says that not everyone's always happy and smiling in your house, right? But we don't want to, I mean, again, please do me a favor. If you're a friend of mine on Facebook, post a bad picture of yourself, you know. Anyway. So, but think about this, Christianity in the first century, the first century church, uh, right after Jesus left, it was, it really had, was such a powerful movement because it was relational and transparent. It, it was real. It was authentic. And the early church understood that the Christian life was a journey that was supposed to be taken with other believers. There was a relational component that was really essential, uh, you know, for success. And here's the truth for our lives today, that if we don't make the time, and I say make because you have to make time for the things that are really important in life. If we don't make time to develop quality relationships 
with other Christian people, over time what's going to happen is our Christian life is going to plateau. That's why so many times we go like this and then we, do, we, just, we just plateau and then we kind of start going down like this a little bit. But it's relationships. It's encouragement from other people. It's being challenged by other people. It's being held accountable by other people that really, that really is um, one of the keys to the Christian life. And, you know, if you think about it, in the early church, one of the things was the churches were small. Because they started in a little town, their, their, their towns, most of them weren't, weren't, weren't large, and they started with eight or ten people, and they grew to 50 or 70. So everyone knew everyone. And again, one of the difficulties we have today is that, you know, most of our churches have, have hundreds and even thousands of people. So it's really, it's, it's near impossible to meet people, you know, just coming on a Sunday morning. And so I, I had told you last week, that, you know, about our small groups and about our semesters. And here at the end of the summer, we'll be starting our new round of small groups. And I really, I, it, you'll benefit by learning people's names and really allowing people to speak into your life. And next week, we're having a training session for any who may want to lead a small group. But look what Galatians 6, 2, it says this, that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. See, we may say, well, man, I don't need someone else's problems. I got enough on my own, right? I'm trying to carry my own. But see, there, there's something else is if other people are allowed to come into our lives and to help us, the burden on us is less. And, uh, you know, I know that one of the difficulties that we really have to get over in a small group is we don't want anyone to think that our lives aren't perfect. I mean, right? And I mean, I know there, there are some who think, well, I don't have any problems, and, you know, if you don't have any problems, that's your problem, right? That's, that's your problem, okay? But, but we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. In other words, we're supposed to help, help people through the difficult times of life, and um, it's very, very important. So that's the first thing. Real life is about having quality relationships, having people who stick through us through the tough times, having friendships that are transparent about our shortcomings and our weaknesses. And so secret number two we're going to talk about today is, is learning to live with consistency. Living your life with consistency. And I need to stop right here for a minute because I need you to be real with me this morning. And I need you to be real with God. And we just have to, we have to be real or this message will have no, no impact or value in your life. So here, here's the thing though. Isn't one of our greatest battles that we fight in life, the battle to be consistent? It, it really is. I mean, if the areas of our life that we are consistent in, they are thriving. In the areas of our life that we struggle with consistency, usually it's kind of chaotic in our lives. So consistency is so powerful when we apply it to our lives. But I think we'd also say that, man, consistency can be so elusive. I mean, we know it's so important and we understand the value, but it can be elusive. It's kind of like it's running from us and, you know, we, we can't quite catch it or master it. I was thinking, have any of you ever been, or if you've ever been to a lake for a day, you took the kids and the family, you took them to a lake or the beach or a river or whatever, and, you know, like the kids or people, are, they're playing with a ball. And the ball gets away from you, like a beach ball or something, and it's floating on the water. And you think you can just swim to it and get it real quick. 
but you can't because the wind moves the ball faster than you can swim. Unless if you're an Olympic swimmer, then it doesn't apply to you. But everyone else, you know. And you know that a, lot of, a number of people over the years have drowned by trying to chase something on the water that's moving faster than they are. And they get way away from shore. They get tired and worn out. And they, 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 can't, they can't make it back. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to figure out how to grab hold of consistency. Uh, consistency is really a key to growing in our spiritual lives. And for that area, and for that matter, in every area of our lives. Here is what I know about everyone in this room, myself included. Everyone in this room, there's at least one area of your life that you have trouble being consistent in. And, and there's prob- it's probably more than one. And that, I mean, if you say, well, Terry, I got seven right off the bat. Don't, I mean, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Don't feel bad. But the whole, your problem is not your problem. The problem is you haven't been consistent in that area. If we can learn to be consistent, we can change every area of our lives. So, so the good news is even if we've piled ourselves into a bad situation, we can climb ourselves out. We can grow over the obstacle, the barrier, the problem by learning to be consistent. So let, let's, we're going to talk about consistency for a few minutes this morning. And let, let's start out with this is that we understand that God is perfectly consistent. He's perfectly consistent. And it says it all throughout the Bible. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, it says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, a lot of people get mad about that. You know, there's a lot of people out there in the, in the media and different people that aren't Christians and don't believe the Bible. And they condemn Christianity, they condemn the Bible because it doesn't change. It's outdated. It was written, you know, 2,000 years ago, it's written all these years ago, and society has changed. Remember, we talked about, uh, you know, the worldview that you can have, and the secular worldview that really dominates our culture today, how they come up with, how they come up with, uh, with, um, with morals and values is by, by societal consensus, whatever society thinks. See, that's how come, like, I know the, the presidential stuff going on, and they're having these debates and things, and and, uh, you know, some of them had a position 10 years ago way over here because that's what society accepted. And now they're way over here because now this is what society, you know, uh, says is okay. But the, thing, the great thing about the Bible and the great thing about Jesus, he, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how much he loved people 100 years ago, he still loves people the same. You know, and so he, he doesn't change. James 1.17, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And uh, maybe you know some people in your life, if they're next to you, please don't point them out or anything. But you know, you know some people in your life that whenever you go and see them, you're trying to figure out, okay, what mood are they in today? Right? Maybe you, right? Like are they in a bad mood, they in a good mood? And so, see, that, this is the great thing about God is that God is perfectly consistent. So we can come to him with any problem, any time of the day or night. He's not going to be moody. He's not going to have an attitude. He, he's the same. He's perfectly consistent. And Psalms 33:11 says, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. So even the purpose he has, it runs through all generations. So 
That's the good news for us is that the, the plans, purposes, and standards of God never change. So we're, it's, when we go to God, try to connect with God, it's not like we have a moving target. He has outlined the target. You know, he's outlined his purposes, and, and they're, they're immovable. They do not change. Now, here's the problem when it comes to our lives is that humanity, humans, we are perfectly inconsistent. Some of you are arguing with me on that right now in your mind. But, but I promise you, I'll talk to one of your family members if you don't, you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to just tell me that I'm correct, right? But think about it. And, and I was even thinking about this week, you know, people use, I think people use the term hypocrite way too often. And hip, they say hypocrite when, when you say something, but you're not able to live it out, people call you a hypocrite. But I, see, I don't think that's true. I think a lot of times, all of us, we say things, we have perfect intentions of doing, we, in the end, we just don't get it done. And we didn't mean to, we just, you know, we didn't hit the mark ourselves. A hypocrite is somebody who says one thing and totally doesn't mean it and lives a different way. So that there's, a, there's a big distinction there. See, sometimes we're just not as consistent as we want to be. And it doesn't mean that we're bad. It doesn't mean we're, we're hypocrites. It just means we're inconsistent. And, and so that's a very uh, big point. You know, one of the most, I believe one of the most consistent people of the faith in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. But I was reminded in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, it's there on your screen. Look, at this is very... This is a telling passage by the Apostle Paul. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For, I, for I, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And so again, I believe that we would all agree that if you read the Apostle Paul's life, Paul was anything but a hypocrite. I, I believe he was, he was about as consistent as a person can be. But you know what, he, he, he says this. He admits the struggling with consistency. And he goes one step further to say, listen, I know what I want to do, but I don't always do it. And a lot of times I do what I don't want to do. But he goes one step further and he, tell, he tells us why he's inconsistent. And he says, the reason that I'm inconsistent is because of my sinful nature. He said, when I do what I don't want to do, it's because my flesh has won the battle that day. And, and so, you know, he, he says that. So, so think about this. Um, you know, he says, you know, my desire is to do what's right, what's honorable, what I know I should do, but my sinful nature, my flesh... It just gets in the way sometimes, and, and he, he says that that bothers me. So here's the difference. Hypocrites are not bothered by their inconsistencies. But people who are trying to do the right thing that mess up, they are. 
That's, that's the difference. Hypocrites don't mind at all saying one thing and doing something else. You know, if, if you're a real authentic person, when you say something, when you're shooting for something and you don't quite make it, you know, you're, you're bothered. You're bothered by that. I remember when I, when I first started off in ministry, I was a youth pastor for four years. And uh, I re- when, I, when I first started, every time that something didn't go perfectly or I didn't respond or react perfectly, I wouldn't be able to sleep all night. I just couldn't sleep. I felt so bad about, oh, maybe I shouldn't have responded that way. I shouldn't have said that way or something, you know. And, and so I went in and talked to my pastor. I'm like, you know, um, and so he's like, well, he said, so, like, tell me some of the things that you're missing sleep over. And I told him, and he said, Terry, those are, that's nothing. He said, that, those are little incidental things. You didn't do anything wrong. You, just, you wish you'd done something in a different way. But so, how many know in life, sometimes you don't know you should have done it in a different way until you try it? Then you're like, oh, that didn't work, you know? Come on, how many married folks do we have here? Oh, that didn't work. Come on now. So, so think about this. As humans, we're, we're just trying to identify why we're not as consistent as we really want to be or need to be. This is the secret to really living an overcoming Christian life. First of all, we have emotions that we have to deal with. We have emotions, these emotions. Now, here's the thing, emotions are good, but our emotions can get the best of us, and our emotions can lie to us. And and here's the thing, you can never live your life totally by feelings, but your feelings are important. You know, if you've ever, like, I think we need emotion to truly worship God, but then sometimes our emotions don't want to worship God sometimes. You know, so we get in trouble, we become inconsistent when we let our emotions lie to us. You know, when we don't do things we know we need to do just because we don't feel like it, you know. See, for example, you know, one of the areas that most people are consistent in is going to work. Because if you don't go to work, you get fired. So if you wake up and say, well, I don't feel like going to work, you you still go, right? Unless you have some sick days. But see, the, the areas in our lives... The areas of our lives where you don't have to do it, our emotions lie to us. And we're like, yeah, you're right. I don't feel like going. I don't feel like joining a small group. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like doing this certain things. But second thing is we, we, we have attitudes. How many here have attitudes? See, everyone should have raised their hand because we all do. And some attitudes are good. You can say, I have the good kind, you know. But but really, our 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 attitudes, sometimes we're real positive and up here, and sometimes we're down here. And a lot of our attitudes are unbiblical. You know, one time, this is years ago when we first, when we first got married, um, you know, my wife Tracy, she, she really has the voice of a prophet in my life to show me something I'm not seeing. And in a loving way. But, um, you know, used to, a long time ago, I don't, I don't, and I don't know why I've been delivered this, I think, but um, like a long, a long time ago, many years ago, 15 years ago, you know, I would, I would, I was like, man, I have just a terrible headache. I'd have a terrible headache, and I'd tell her, man, I think there's something wrong with me, you know? And she's like, well, take some Advil, you know? I'm like, no, no, I think it's bigger than Advil. I've, I never had a headache like this in my whole life. And she's like, well, what do you think? I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I have something in my head or, or maybe, maybe, um, you know, what's those, uh, a blood clot or something like that. And, 
in any, any way. So I'm, I'm just telling you, and she's like, that, that's ridiculous, you know. Or, you know, I, I'd have a, ch- one time I, I had a chest pain. Man, I got a pain in my chest, man. I think, I think I'm a goner, you know. And she would tell me, Terry, you just played two hours of full court basketball last night. If you were going to die of a heart attack, you would have done it last night, you know. So one day she told me, she's like, she's like, Terry, she's like, I don't understand. I mean, you, I've seen you have incredible faith for other people. You go on mission trips around the world. You've prayed for people's eyes to be open that were blind. You've prayed for a cancer to be healed, and it's going to be cancer. But when it comes to you, you think you're a goner. And I, I said, well, man, that sounds really bad when you put it that way. She's like, that's the only way to put it. Uh, there's no other way to put it. To put it. And... But you know what I said? I'm like, you know, she's right. She's right. So for three days, I have not done that at all. And I have not been real positive. So we have emotions. We have attitudes. But you know what? We also have stress. And life, really, there's none of us that go a full week that we don't feel the pressure of life. Pressure from whether it's work or family or something in our lives that's just upping the ante on us. And uh, then, of course, we, the last thing is we have to deal with a lack of discipline. And I think all of us, again, sometimes there can be areas of our life where we're just not as disciplined as we need to be. So all of these things help lead, really, uh, to, to a lack of consistency. So I just want to give you an outline this morning. Uh, I'm very practical, so every time I talk about something, I want to help you. And I'm going to give you four things this morning that really, if you apply them to your life, without question, they will help you to become more, more consistent in any area of your life uh, if, if you just apply these. So number one, the first thing is how to achieve consistency. How do we master it? How do we grab hold of it? How do we not let it get away? Number one is you have to focus on yourself first. You have to focus on yourself first. And, you know, it, it's funny, whenever, whenever you see critics on TV, they're always critical of other people. And it's so easy to be critical of other people, but it's not so easy sometimes to see what's going on in our own life. You know, Jesus, Jesus told the story one time, he says, hey, listen, you know, if you take the plank out of your eye, then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of theirs. And, and so we have to focus on ourself first. And it's not fun focusing on ourselves. It's easier to focus on other people. It, it, it just is. But what I've found in life is if I can focus on myself, if I can really say, God, I need you to help me. God, there's some areas in my life that aren't good. There's some areas I need to do better in. You know what I find is the results are staggering and they go quick because I'm allowing God to come in and change me. If God changes me, then everyone around me is better. It's, it's just the way that it works. So Philippians 3, 12 through 14, again, the Apostle Paul, he says this, not that I have already obtained all this. So he's talking about all these things. He said, I, I'm not there yet or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
Now, here's one thing about this passage I noticed. If you go back to it, five times Paul uses the word I. And too often we use the words you, him, her, they, those people. And when you start, Paul says, I haven't gotten there yet. And I am not perfect. And I haven't arrived at my goals. But one thing I do, I'm going to forget what's behind. And I am focusing on what's ahead. I'm focusing on what God has for me. I'm focusing on what God uh, wants to do in my life. And, you know, one of the, one of the human flaws is that we, we focus on other people or we focus on our circumstances, our situations, and we blame, we blame them for how we act. And psychologists have a name for this. They call it blame shifting. When even though you're the common denominator, you're never the, you're never the problem. You know? It's like the guy that was driving down the road and he finally got to his destination. He's like, man, he went and says, I'm sorry I'm late for work, but it's not my fault. People, people, they just can't drive. You know, I was in four wrecks on the way here, you know. So Paul's focused on himself. So consistency requires us to focus on ourselves. What can I do better? How can I improve? What changes do I need to make? You know, Proverbs 26, 20, it says this, that without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. And talking about focusing on ourselves... You know, I believe that most of our problems come because we're throwing wood on, our fi on the fires of our lives. You know, uh, there is a problem, but we, we don't focus on ourselves, but what others can do better. And I, I realize, Trace and I have been married 28 years, and it will be 28 years in August. And one thing I notice is that if we disagree today, which we don't have very many disagreements, we got them out early. You know, we just got them out early. But one thing I noticed is our disagreements today, they're very short compared to when we first got married. Because when we first got married, if she got mad at me for something, I'm like, well, don't blame me, you know. You came in here talking like that or, or whatever, whatever, you know. And then you end up not talking for two days. Come on. Have any of you not talked to somebody for two days over something stupid? Thank you very much. Some of you are liars in here, okay. Some of you are liars. I'll talk about that next week. But, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Tracy said, I didn't like the way, she was mad about the way I responded to her. I can say, well, you just got to toughen up a little bit. You know, you got to toughen up. Or I can say, you know, I can say, Lord, you know, I can change the tone of my voice. I can change my facial expressions. I can express myself to her. In, in not an angry manner. You know, so is the problem with her for being hurt about something I said, or is the problem with me on how I did that? And the truth is, in a relationship, both people can always do better. But we have to focus on ourselves. We have to focus on, on ourselves, what I can do better. So consistency starts when I say, God, how can I do better? How can I respond better? And, and what can I do to be more consistent. So the first thing is, when you leave here today, if you want to be consistent, just write down some, write down some categories in your life that you don't feel like you're consistent, and start praying and asking God to show you what can you do. What's your What's your part? What can you do 
to really improve that. And the second thing is this, is that we need to focus on today. Focus on today. Matthew 6, 34, it says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. And here's the key. If you worry about tomorrow, you won't be successful today. See, if you're focused on tomorrow, tomorrow, next week, next year, and we do need to think about the future in some regards. But if it's always, if we're always chasing the elusive dream of n tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, we, we mess up today. We, we, we don't become consistent today. So think of this. What are my responsibilities today? What relationships need my attention today? How can I be more consistent in my life today? It's really about today. And see, in human nature, when we want to change something, we always feel like it has to be some big thing. On the first of the year. On Monday. I mean, no one ever starts anything on Friday, do they? I need the weekend. Right? That, that's human nature, right? But, but think about what if we start on Thursday or Friday, what, today, start on today. When, I tell you what, John Maxwell, who's a tremendous leader, and I don't know, he's probably written 40 books. All these books on leadership, I think one of his best books, and, and if you really struggle with this, go buy the book. It's called Today Matters. Today Matters. And he says that today, what you're doing today, what you do after lunch today, what you do tonight, it, it determines what you're going to be like tomorrow. And what you do this week will determine what you're going to be like next week. So if you want to know what you're going to look like in five years, look at what you're doing today. And that, that really just, that just, when I read that book, it just really tore me up inside because we're wasting all these days when we could be growing. I mean, if I read my Bible today, if I choose to love people today, if I choose to be consistent today, next year will be better. But we keep putting today off until tomorrow and the next day and the week after. And we got to quit putting it off. Consistency says that we're going to focus on today. So focus on myself first. Focus on today. And the third thing is this. Focus on the spiritual realm before the natural realm. Now here, here's, here's the truth. If you have an area of your life that is not healthy, you're not going to fix it on your own anyway. If you could, it would have already been done. Right? That's not, we're trying to fix things the same way, but if that way would have worked, we'd have already done it. But so here's, here, here's, here's my appeal to you, is that all of us were created with a place in our heart in the center of our being for God. And when God's not there, when he doesn't have a priority, we're trying to replace that void with things, but things that we're trying to put there were never meant to be number one. So, you know, uh, family is great, having a, having a great husband or wife, having children is a wonderful thing, having a good job, having friends, having, having a, a church, all these things. They were supposed to complement a life with God in the center. But none of those things can fill the, fill the void of, uh, uh, you know, of God, you know, in, in our lives. And so here's what I'm going to say is that, like a lot of people say, well, Terry, I'm having trouble with my finances, but you want me to become more spiritual. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Why I'm saying that is because 
in the Bible, there's a lot of principles for financial success. So if your spiritual life isn't healthy, you're probably not obeying some of those. If you start obeying those, it'll, it'll be good. You say, you know, Terry, I just need a better marriage. Well, again, you need more of God in your life. You need more Holy Spirit in your life. You, you begin to start praying. You begin to let God start working on your life. And, and real quickly, your husband or wife will, will, will see a difference and your marriage will, will, will begin to shift. I went, I went to a, a pastor's conference one day, and the speaker, he, he said, hey, he's talking about really like 2,000 pastors. He's like, guys, he's like, look, I've heard some of you speak before, and some of you are not very good. So I'm going to help you out. He's like, for example, if you speak 45 minutes but you're not very good, cut it down to 30, and your congregation will say, man, pastor is getting better. Pastor is doing better. Well, it, it, it's, it's like that in, in, our, in our personal lives. When we begin to grow and when we begin to allow God just to come in and just change our hearts and our lives and um, we just become different people and the people around us notice because we're responding to things differently. We're more patient. We're more kind. Uh, whatever your flaws are, God begins to, to fill those in. Matthew six thirty three it says this, but seek first. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So if our spiritual lives are healthy and growing, here's the thing. If our spiritual lives are healthy and growing, the things we talked about earlier, our emotions, our attitudes, our stress level, our, a healthy spiritual life will balance those out. They'll be more stable. Not perfect. But as we grow spiritually, it, it's not up and down. It's not, it's not like, like, like a, living like a yo-yo, like you're up and down all the time. The last thing is this. So I need you to trust the process of consistency even though you're not going to see immediate results. And here, here's something I, I, I learned. Um, Learn, that learning to live with consistency is a process that really takes time to develop. You may not see immediate results, but you will see dramatic results if you're consistent. And so here's something I learned that, um, you know, people would come into my office, maybe they're having marriage problems, and they come in and th there's like some big problems, right? And the first thing I tell them is, you know, listen, with God's help, you can get through this easily. It's not going to be a problem, but it's not going to happen today or tomorrow. It, you may be three months, four months, six months to get to where you really want to be. And they're not happy with that, but, but what they don't understand is, you know, think about it. When we have a problem in our life, that problem didn't just pop up. Like if you're having a relational problem, it's been happening for a while. I mean, you don't, you don't just wake up one day and realize that you're in $20,000 of credit card debt. Like, you work toward that, right? Come on. I, I mean, you, 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 did, you did something. And so my, my thing is this, is that, see, we're where we're at in life because we have been consistently doing things. And the only way to get to the other end is you've got to turn around and be consistent moving this way. When you consistently do the right things and allow God to speak into your life, he will begin to, to change your life. But our problems were not create, created in a day, and so they're not going to disappear in a day. And so we, we have to understand that. But so 
I mean, is, is this right? Don't humans want immediate results? We want immediate results. And, and, but here's what, I, here's what I've also known. Because God is so gracious, whenever I have found an area of my life that's not doing well and I became consistent in that area and I repented, I'm, Lord, please forgive me. You know what I found is that God is so gracious that usually he gets me back on track quicker than I thought. It's usually a quicker process, uh, you know, than, than I immediately thought. So, now here's the thing. God is all-powerful, and he could pull his zapper out. Do you know that God has a zapper? Have you ever been zapped? Well, I'm not sure if I, no, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't. But God has a zapper, and he could just zap us. Oh, Terry needs to be fixed bad. Wham! And he could fix me, right? He could do that. But when we've created problems, it, takes, it builds our character to consistently solve our problems. And God is more, if God just zapped us every time we got in trouble, we would just do wrong things and say, okay, God, zap me, hit me, hit me hard, you know. But it builds character. It builds our character whenever we say, God, listen, I've messed up and I want you to help me. And he's like, okay, you do your part and start being consistent. Then I'm going to do my part and I'm going to meet you and I'm going to help you. And I'm going to have grace and mercy upon your lives. Would you stand with me today? So we've been talking about how consistency is really a key ingredient to living a successful Christian life. And the truth is you can never achieve the growth you want into your life. And, and really until you... And the areas of our lives begin to become consistent. We, we focus on four areas that we're going to focus on ourselves first. And we're going to focus on today. Tomorrow we start a week. Focus today on what I need to do this week to really change some things. And we're going to put the spiritual realm above the natural realm. Because through the spiritual realm, God can change the natural realm. And then we're just going to trust the process, which just means... How many of you have done something, you did it for a few days, and you said, it's just not working? It's just not working. But you know that, yeah, I've done it for three days, but if I do it for six weeks, if I do it for six months, if I do it for a year, it will work. So we're going we're gonna, to, when I say trust the process of consistency, what I'm asking you to do is just trust God that when we're consistent, He's going to take care of the areas in our lives. Father God, we come before you today. And God, we, we love you. And we realize that, that most of our problems we, we've created by ourselves by just by being inconsistent in some areas that are really important. But God, today we're going to turn to you. We're turning to you. And we're asking you to forgive us for being inconsistent. Forgive us for allowing our sinful nature to dominate things in our life, God. And today we're turning to you and we're asking you, God, to first of all, help us to be consistent in the areas that are important. But God, we're also asking you to help us, God. Pour your spirit out upon us. Pour, pour your mercy out upon us in Jesus' name. Now, can let me do something here this morning. If you're hearing you say, you know, Terry, I know that you were talking to me or, or through you God spoke something to my life. If there's an area of your life that you 
that you just say, man, yeah, this one area I know that the Lord really just wants me to focus on being consistent in this one area. And I just want to give this, this area of my life to God this morning. Would you just raise your hands to the Lord and we're just going to ask him for help? God, your word says that many times we have not because we ask not. Today we're asking, God. Today we're asking. We're asking for your help, Lord God. Lord, we're asking for your help. We're asking for your grace and your mercy upon our lives. And God, we know that we need your spirit in our lives. And God, but there's also a component with our name on it, which is consistency. And God, I just pray today that you're helping us to become consistent in these areas that we've struggled in, Lord God. Lord, we're asking you to forgive us, and we're asking you just to be merciful to us, Lord God. Be patient with us, but give us the determination and the persistence, God, to really just revolutionize our lives and really just allow you, through you, to change areas of our lives that aren't where they need to be. In Jesus', in Jesus name I pray. Amen. Let's sing, let's sing that chorus again real quick.